I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Uh, you know, Rebel Radio is supported by Upside.com. If you travel for business like I do, man, I've been on the road. I was in Atlanta. Just the last month, I was in Atlanta, Mexico. I was in Napa, New York. I'm all over the place. And, uh, you know, anything that makes it easier or saves money is great. Upside.com does both. It's, you, you, you can find the best prices on flights, hotels, rental cars. The service is amazing. You can contact them through the app, the website, phone, email, really any, any way you want to get a hold of them is, is pretty easy. And the craziest thing is there's gift cards to places like Amazon.com every time you make a purchase of business travel through, through them, not just the first time or anything like that. If you use my code REBEL, um, you'll get a minimum $100 gift card to Amazon.com, which is pretty wild. So go to Upside.com, use the code REBEL, and there's a minimum purchase required. See the site for details. Hi, this is Patrick Hollick, and you're listening to Rebel Radio. Fuck you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh, Rebel Radio is going down. What do you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the show where every week we talk to the Rebels who are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a piece of the pie for yourself. We're the only show that features new music every week from the homies over at EDM.com. I'm your host, Josh Levine, and my guest this week, man, this dude, I've known this dude since 1997 when he, uh, he shot a music video for me when I was managing WC. Uh, his name is Patrick Holick. Uh, he's a notable video director uh, at the top of that game. He's also a photographer, a filmmaker. He's the host of the web series and interview. 
where he interviews stars like Liv Tyler, Peter Sarsgaard, Parker Posey while he takes their portrait. And he also, uh, man, like I said, he's, he's prolific. He's also the host of Analogs.tv, uh, another interview show where he interviews people like Jason Schwartzman, T.I., The Game, Asia Argento. The list goes on and on. He's going to tell us some great stories of how he made his way from the streets of New York to being connected to literally everyone in Hollywood. And uh, he's going to give you some tips on how you can keep your head in the game as you make whatever you make. We'll get into that right after our EDM.com track of the week. That was the EDM.com track of the week. That was Lilo Key with Can You Swim. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com. Check out new music. And, of course, right now, let's get into the interview with Patrick Holick. Dude, I'm so I'm excited to have you here. I have wanted to interview you uh, from the beginning of doing this because I like talking to creative people. And... Like, it occurs to me, every time we run into each other, like, I learn something new about you that you just have all these layers. Mm. And, like, so I was thinking back, um, we met 96. I was, I never know time, so, so I wanted to ask you that. 96, 97, 97 mm-hmm. would have been, because uh, I was managing Dub C and you shot our music video. Oh, yeah, with John B. With John B. Yeah, yeah. We did shoot at a car wash. Yep. Um, and then like, and then Jen, then I just started seeing you all the time after that. Like then you were doing that club with Pauline. Yeah, we did a club at Indochine on Hauser. Which was awesome. That was night. an accidental club because I remember I threw a birthday party there. Okay. And uh, Pauline was doing the, the reggae night somewhere yeah. else by the CNN building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, she had hit them up and they're like, oh, we don't want any of that. We don't want a club. We're Indochine. Right. And then after my birthday party, they saw the numbers, the bar. Yeah. 
and they're like, would you do a night? And yeah. I called Pauline, I'm like, will you help and do yeah. everything and I'll show up and, <laughs> you know, be out front? And that was a great night, man. I remember like, that was like... It was fun. It was, it was a lot of fun and it was, a, I think, at a time when like, if you knew the right people, you could just show up somewhere and just have a great night. Totally. And, and that's what, you know, I would always come there and like, just run into... It was very random, wasn't it? Like yeah. the crowd was yeah, a mixture yeah. of like uh, like young hipsters and then musicians and actors. It was weird. Yeah, yeah. And then so it's like anyway through that like I'm like every time we bump into each other, you have like new projects and just all this amazing. <laughs> I always stuff like happening. to keep moving. So go go back to the very beginning with music. And do you remember the first record you ever bought? You know, it was something. I think it was. Uh, Somebody gave me a Santana record, okay. I think. It was okay. something of Santana or Pink Floyd. It nice. was one of those. And I remember the headphones were in the den and I was listening to these things. I remember uh -huh. the wall being like crazy, uh, the audio yeah. and the passing of For sounds sure. and all this stuff. That yeah. was weird. And it was a concept. So I think that was the early things was, would be Pink Floyd for me is what and I And were heard. you hooked like from the beginning? Like when you heard that record, you're just like... Yeah, I always liked. Yeah, I always liked um, music. Music was always a base. It was always some sort of beginning. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and then you go into like all the layers. You you go through a phase. I feel like I was that put me in a rock and roll, classic rock phase, mm -hmm. which then led to like you know the old timers saying you got to understand jazz if you want to understand that. You mm -hmm. got to understand X to Z, and you start exploring everything. Yeah, and then you become what I am now, which is just kind of like everything it's weird i like almost everything except i do have you know i don't really love top 40. Sure. i can't get into something unless it's really embedded and ingrained um, yeah. in the new stuff you know so you know, it seems so it's funny i'm the same way but i find like there's i can now at, at this age there's a lot of top 40 from when i was a kid that mm -hmm. i can deal with mm -hmm. that i didn't really like at the time mm -hmm. like I, like early madonna like sure. at the time I wasn't fucking it becomes with retro. Yeah, yeah. It becomes interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got lucky to meet, uh, I went back to music and starting, I moved to New York City at a young age and I, I met a kid named Kevin Bray, who is Steve mm -hmm. Bray's brother. Yeah. And ironically, Steve Bray was in the Breakfast Club. He um, had worked with Madonna uh, to play drums in Breakfast Club. Oh, shit. So Steve ended up producing her first eight records. Wow. He's like, so I got to experience that pretty much firsthand um, after her first two records. I met her in New York City. And yeah. then I was like, your brother does what? He's like, he does all the songs. He wrote Borderline. He wrote this. Wow. And I was like, I didn't know that about him. Wow, that's great. Pretty awesome. Now yeah. he's doing like the color purple on Broadway. He does oh, musical wow. okay. Broadway shows. And so how did you, so you're, if I understand, uh, your first career was, was music videos. Very, yeah. First was, uh, oddly going back to the club, is the first thing I did was with uh, a couple cats in LA, Messix and Mike Stein and these mm -hmm. guys had me as a promoter who became a club thrower. Mm -hmm. So I was doing undergrounds when I was like 16. Wow. 
And then uh, started dating an older girl that I met, and she was like, you want to do film? Because I was like, I want to make movies. Mm. I had a screenplay about these, this kid that was like in a, in a really bad neighborhood. It was like a, the duality of being black and white in different environments. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I want to do this. And she's like, well, Kevin Bray, back to Kevin. He works at Indochine, ironically, mm -hmm. again, in no New way. York City. Yeah, it all kind of is That's like real weird. Yeah. Um, and he's doing a band called De La Soul and Gangstar. Um, I talked to him about you, so if you come here, you could work on this shit. So I went there and I on got their into videos. yeah, I got yeah, into yeah. art directing on um, grad. What was the first Gangstar where he played Malcolm X? Um, uh, that was my was first Manifest? job, Manifest, yeah. and Kevin was the director. <laughs> After a few videos, Kevin's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to do this. And so I got lucky and New York was happening sure. and music video happened. And then Shady, Dave Perez, came into town with uh, a band no one knew called fucking Cypress Hill. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I got a killer man, Kevin, you can have, um, um, what's the other one, Hand on a Pump, mm -hmm. and Patrick can assistant direct it until he, you know, because I was growing. So yeah. that's how this whole, then I started directing music videos, but that's how it Amazing. all, it was Gangstar to Cypress to this moment. Yeah. And then. So did you jump, because the original vision was, to write, to write a movie. It was totally to do movie, but I understood that like you uh, needed to learn equipment, gear, lighting, grip, the whole process. And yeah. there was no better place in yeah. those days than music video. You were able to have dollies and cameras and crew. And so it was a process without being a movie. That's so crazy. So then uh, was there, I mean, it sounded like that just started rolling for you. Was there, was there like a break? There was hard times in it because it was like getting competitive, but yeah. it was rolling in the sense that we had this hot young production company and bringing Cypress into the mix didn't hurt. And then yeah. we used to play street ball with uh, Adam Yauk and Yauk started bringing his director projects. He was, mm -hmm. he went, mm -hmm. went by Nathaniel Hornblower, right. which was Nathan was his middle name and Hornblowing he said was directing, which is bragging about yourself. Right. So I'm blowing my own horn. <laughs> so he started bringing all their projects when they were doing uh, uh, Check Your Head okay. over to our company, which is called Hex Films. So yeah. it started becoming so much synergy that then like the Diane Martell and the uh, Marcus Ray boys and all these things started happening and it was a pinnacle New York City. Yeah. You know, Kevin was doing five videos a week. So just in his volume, we were able to pick up one as a director on the spill. Mm -hmm. You know, things were mm -hmm. spilling over. He couldn't do everything. Right. You know, he was like X before X. Sure. You know, yeah. um, and it was like nonstop. Yeah. You know, he was the hottest shit. So was that like, was there one job in particular that kind of like made things easier for you? There was never, it was like assembling job after job after job. It was yeah. grindy. I'd say later in life that it became 
I did a, a run where I, a Beanie Man gave me this massive video and Alicia and a couple other artists that like made it bigger. Mm -hmm. And that was funny because the irony is it soon becomes Napster and Disposed. It's right. like all of a sudden we're at this bigger mark and I was around you, the Dub C wasn't mm -hmm. a small video back then, it was probably like 250, yeah. which is insane now, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I have friends that are doing Jay-Z and somebody else and it's all combined like 180 yeah. and it's four things. Sure. Um, those were the heydays. I remember Missy Elliott and Little Mo was a pinnacle for me where we were in Florida for two weeks and the numbers were just racing. The mm -hmm. numbers like 1.6, 1 1.5. 1 wow. And you're like, this is insane. We had all these guests coming in. And ironically, at that time, too, I was listening to like Led Zeppelin on headphones. Not that I wasn't a Missy fan, but I was just somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, kind of when I, I, I got into print photography and disembarked myself from and then also slowly begin the journey to get back to what the intention was, which was narrative films. What's up, y'all? I'm very excited to tell you about a new sponsor for Rebel Radio. I've been a fan of Audible.com for years. I probably have, I don't know, at least 100 books in my library. Um, I'm into fiction. I'm into business books. I'm into self-help, personal development. That's most of my listening and audible.com has an incredible selection, unmatched. Um, really, any, any book that I've looked for, I've generally found it. Uh, the last book I, I just finished listening to was called 10% Happier by Dan Harris. He's an ABC Evening News anchor, and he talked about discovering meditation after having a live panic attack on TV. It's a great story, kind of taught me a bit about meditation and just really entertaining. I, I recommend that book. And I definitely recommend signing up for audible.com. I listen uh, when I go to the gym. I listen on, on, when I, on my way to work, on my commute. If I'm on a plane, you guys know I travel a lot. So I, I basically turn all that sitting around time into reading time, listening time. And it gives me the opportunity. I'll probably go through a book a week. Get over to audible.com slash rebel. There's a special offer for a 30-day free trial you can discover audible.com for yourself. Definitely leave us a note and let us know what you're listening to. I'd love to hear that. And uh, make sure you make good use of it. Audible.com slash rebel. So the move to, uh, well, actually before. Yeah, sorry, it's no, a no, no. story. No, this is great. But I'm curious, you know, you, you're bringing me back to that time when like the music was happening on the streets. There was no better time for me than to be in New York City. It was being in Disneyland. It was, uh, I was leaving the lawless, like LA seemed to be a police state where we <laughs> would get arrested for jaywalking. Yeah. I went to New York City and you're lighting joints and smoking 40s walking amongst police officers. Right. The worst a police officer did if you had a syringe, a handgun and uh, a 40 would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd be like, put it away. You'd be like, yes. <laughs> that was like, that was, oh, that was strict. So I was coming from LA, I'm going there, and then rap's exploding. Yeah. So my life changed dramatically, you know? I became close with Guru and a couple yeah. of Drez from Black Sheep. And these yeah. guys were just like, we were all intermingling through this party, which was Hex Films, which became so, a thing. So as a, as a filmmaker and a visual storyteller, right? So you now, we'll get to, but you work in print photography, you work mm -hmm. in all these different media. 
And so how, how does the visual side shape culture? You see, I see now a surgence of, of remembering those, those gurus and, and the, the beatnecks and the hooligans. It transmorphs into you'll be sitting with like Wiz Khalifa and they'll be like, yo, that shit's crazy, that moment. So in a sense, mm -hmm. it keeps re regurgitating that dysfunctional like Chief Keef ODB. Mm -hmm. These things keep going mm -hmm. down. And, and it's funny because yeah. the new generation is like, oh, this is brand new. They don't know. What I find interesting about a lot of the new gen is they don't go back 10 minutes, right. you know, where they yeah. don't know what Nirvana is. Right. That shit's, that's different to me. But I think it's very much like, I remember Tip from Quest sitting in Soul Kitchen where they had cheap 40s and, and chicken. Yeah. This was Jack Luber and Frankie Glacy's Club. Yeah. And Tip would sit in the corner listening to oldies and riffs and writing low-end theory. All the guys were corny, but the girls were mad fly. Lounging with the tipster, cooling with shop, scoping out the honeys. They know who they are. I was the b-ball playing, fly rhyme saying, fly girl getting. Whenever was I sweating? Cause when it came to honeys, I would go in a And I saw this, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, I don't think it's different. It just keeps recycling into what it is today, you know? It leans on those times, though. Those guys are studying it, you know? Yeah. The audience, I don't know what they're referencing. Just, yeah, I don't know. Either. I don't know what they're digging either. back on knowing is, oh, this, I'll hear something and I'll be like, oh, that's this song. But no one, you know, so. Uh, I don't either. And I, and I think part of it is just we're flooded with so much content right now. Beyond flooded. Someone said that there was like the Grammys, it was like 480 new shows, yeah. which is like, is it bad? Is it good? I right. don't know. I don't know the answer. You know, I know a neurosurgeon, oddly enough, that said that like he's seeing young kids come in with spasms and seizures and they're thinking there's a direct relation to having your phone on the yeah. football game, yeah. having a Netflix series on and doing something else. All simultaneously stimulation isn't built to happen. Well, yeah, I'm <laughs> they're sure. They're seeing weird brain things yeah. in the new world. And yeah. it's like, wow, okay. I mean, it's interesting. I had that experience with my you know my kid is eight when he was when he was first born mm -hmm. we had like music on all the time mm -hmm. and i had read some bullshit about like it stimulates the brain or whatever and then we were trying to get him to sleep and we we ended up you know working with this doctor who's like you got to get like make the house quiet for a half hour before he goes to sleep yeah and for me that was a, like once she explained it mm -hmm. i was like yeah okay that makes sense but but before she had explained it, like the logical thing to me was like, oh, have nice music playing that distracts them or whatever. And she's like, you're totally overstimulating. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you got all these toys yeah. and shit to Too play with. And, right. And so um, I think we're seeing that now in society that we're just overstimulated. Which I'm guilty of. Like if yeah, I watch a show, I like to like I'm a madman. I like to get it finished yeah. and then watch all of it. Is that I right? I like to watch season yeah. releases. It's hard. I, my, you know, I have this nostalgia for like the idea that you had to wait for next week sure, to sure. find out what's going to yeah. happen, which is a totally like, it's sort of a stupid thing because you only waited because you had to. Yeah. No one would have chosen that back in the day if, yeah. you know, if we had the option. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think, it, I think it's interesting. And yet, you know, you talk about like budgets, you know, are, are obviously much lower sure. than what they used to be. But I also think 
and and we don't have this MTV or this like direct channel for music videos in the same way. No, that no. We used to, but the visual, but we're so much of, more of a visual society now mm -hmm. than we used to be. So I, you know, I wonder. It how still that... lives. It's weird. I have friends that are musicians and they do well, and they, you know, they just have their own release on Vimeo or YouTube that gets millions yeah. and millions of hits. I guess it's just like they took their thing and put it on their platform versus sure. somebody doing it. Yeah. But then at the same time, platforms do help if they're the right platforms. Yeah. Like when someone says they have a Netflix deal, you know that it's a good, you know, a big deal. Yeah. And it has big distribution. Sure. I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting. It's fun to watch sometimes, and then sometimes it's disheartening to, what are these new kids going to do? Like, how can a new kid be me with photography when you have a phone that right. kind of has every image in the world in your database or your Instagram account, you can see everything. What's his, you know, what's his moment with the photography? Well, how that, do you do that? Well, that's what I wonder, right? Because, you know, you're a professional version. Mm -hmm of everybody on the planet now right because which i've never been comfortable i always feel like professional is like it's like the games like i don't know how to say it but i always felt like it was uh i've never arrived to where you know where i think there's something inside me to express that i haven't gotten to but i guess what i mean is that you know you you when when we started out mm -hmm. your average person had never shot a video Right. Had never even had never had a photo shoot. Right. Like, yeah, you had to you go by the 36, you know, exposure of roll and take some pictures on your vacation. But no, you really struggled to do it. We didn't you take know. pictures. Yeah, because people, you had right? to go process it. You had to spend money to do this, 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 this. Absolutely. It's and they insane. Didn't, and it, right. And, and the, you know, they didn't look that good, whatever no. you took and all that. And so so a professional like a photographer for a living mm -hmm. did something that just most people couldn't do mm -hmm. and a and a uh and a video director or a filmmaker yeah right like that was a complete foreign experience for most people so now everybody in the world is is an amateur photographer filmmaker yes it's kind of like the warholian 15 minutes of fame is now for the mass yeah. everyone has their 15 minutes so how does that change things for you i it doesn't, it doesn't. It's like, like you still have this romantic voice that says good things rise to the top. Good mm -hmm. content will be found. Um, you know, great music will be discovered. So I, I bet on that in mm -hmm. the sense that, like, I'm not going for attention. There's something that I'm doing, which the older I get is it's a more internal voice to make sure you're happy. Because yeah. a lot of the industry stuff and a lot of the commercialism stuff is at the end of the day, you, you produce something and you handed it away, you gave it away, and it's not yours anymore, sure. you have nothing to do with it. So I guess now I've just been making things that make myself internally happy, like the interview series. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. That's how I've dealt with it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know, I don't think about it too much because I think it's like a diversion, or what I'm not, which is I always felt like in life, you're either critical, you're critiquing, or you're creating. And I got lucky to hang out with some people in New York when I was a kid that were always creating mm -hmm. and never critiquing it, mm -hmm. you know, which you do some really bad work a lot of the time, but you're not even aware of that yeah. any more than you're aware of the complimentary good work. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's yeah. an interesting thing. Yeah. I always felt like persistence and um, staying on the inner voice and turning up the inner voice as loud as you can. How do you do that? 
you just, I don't know, I just do silence. I do meditation, I surf a little bit, and I sit and I be alone. And I, you know, because it's very easy in uh, pop culture, I think, to, I have friends that in, I feel sad for, no names, but they will uh, pontificate taking the younger generation and putting it next to them in all their content to get likes, views, and a right. big audience. And it's working. They have big audiences. But it goes back to the commercial question. Are you building something that you'll be proud of in eight years, or are you mm. doing something to be relevant this afternoon? Yeah. And that's a, that's a dynamic, you know? So take that back to the decision to move away from music video back to, to photography. It wasn't hard, man, because music video was like this crashing plane and it was yeah. going down in flames and I was going down in flames too because I was part of the party. I had taken drugs too far and everything too far and mm -hmm. I was life and entertainment and what I was doing were one big symbiotic ball mm -hmm. and I lost my way. It's funny because people would say to me, we're having a party, don't let the party have you. And you go, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you wake up in five years and you're like, you know, a heroin addict. Yeah. And that's what I did. Yeah. While that was happening, video was descending and exploding. So when I got alone and got recovered and got sober and got my life together, um, I started taking pictures with a a really shitty Canon A1 of people on tours like that Coachella used to be called Lollapalooza and mm -hmm. I'd go and shoot people and I would show it and I would show it and all of a sudden uh, photography became a real career. Nice. And then it led back to video which was funny because I did a presentation to have stills get me back in video realizing that stills was not only more lucrative, it took less people to tell uh, sometimes a bigger story. Sure. And uh, a couple of campaigns, like a couple of actresses and a couple like Levi's campaigns and stuff like that showed me even uh, economically there was no comparison. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, when I saw my first big day rate in photography, not that it's all about dough, but it was more than doing 10 music videos. Really? And it was ironic. These are yeah. the glory days yeah, where yeah, you could sure. get, you know, 50 to 60,000 for eight hours. And those days in music video were very yeah, rare. Yeah. Um, so not only did I feel like I had more control of the story, I had less people interjecting with what it was. It's weird because when I started out, I was only allowed to do rap videos, then fought to do R&B videos, and then fought to do rock and roll videos. Mm -hmm. In still photography, I would be doing um, the game, and then uh, early in, uh, later in the evening, we'd be doing a beauty piece on Katie Holmes. Uh -huh. So I was like, this is cool because yeah. no one's fucking trapping me. I'm playing visual, pinochle, yeah. which was a goal. Because in video, it's like, he likes this or he likes right. that. So right. in stills, I was really cautious to do something very uh, expressive and different and pick, like, go, okay, we've been shooting a lot of actors. Let's shoot actresses. Let's right. not shoot actresses. Let's go shoot, like, plies in Florida with, like, gold fronts and uh -huh. goon nation. Yeah. That, that's fun because yeah. I like people and the dynamic you can move around, you yeah. know. Stills gave me that. Video was like, oh, he's going to have to do 700 presentations to do an R&B video. Right. Yeah. And that got exhausting, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting... Um, dynamic that you know i guess it's true in life but especially in in the creative 
world that like you get a job because of your previous work. Sometimes. Right? And, and I'm guilty of that when I hire designers, you know, I'm like, I've made the mistake of just hiring somebody I thought was really talented, but then, you know, I've found it more successful to just find someone whose work already looks like the piece that I want them to make for me and then just have yeah. them do it. And I realize that's, you're, you're cheating yourself of some creativity there, but you're also limiting your risk. I got a funny story with that EA Sports. They, they had this monster revamping of The Sims, mm -hmm. which was this mm -hmm. big game years ago. Yeah. And uh, I met an intern on the street that said, like, he told me the story about how it happened because I got this Sims job that was huge in, like, five days and very big. And um, what had happened is they had visual references for six months in the office that were my stills. Oh, wow. So they had all these stills yeah. on the board. And this intern kid that used to bring them coffee and shit, um, they got tired in the board meetings on the 80th uh, thought of the creative. And they said, what, let's ask this kid, because yeah. he's young and his ears to the ground. Sure. Who would you get to shoot this? And he goes, whose are those? Yeah. And they go, I don't know. <laughs> And he goes, get the guy that shot those, because that's what you want to do. Exactly. And they ended up hiring me. But it's just yeah. ironic and funny how sure. this little thing, yeah, like yeah. you said, it's Absolutely. like But that, like, that's the way to, that's the easy way, mm -hmm. if you're on the buying side, right? Sure. Is you just find something that already looks like what you want. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the question, though, is, you know, you talk about the flip side of that, which is not just being not just shooting rappers or just shooting sure. you know one kind of thing and moving from editorial to you know uh advertising and and all that stuff um so is that a fight as well a to fight. like to just to, to get people to hire you for stuff that's if if your interest is in in building a diverse body of work sure Right? Is that a fight to get people to hire you for something that you know? I, I, have, I feel like nowadays I haven't been auditioning as much, and I've been just kind of focusing in on shows like the Interview or the Analog yeah. Series, which are creating stuff out of our own office and our own space. I ask the questions that connect with my guests on a human level and create their portrait at the same time. I'm Patrick Hollick, and this is an interview. So I haven't been on the audition block in a minute and, um, you know, uh, it's, it's like you're walking on a ledge of like, cause you know, you need to eat, but also you need to express yourself. So it's, I've just been playing a game of, I, I do stuff I'm proud of and every once in a while something becomes in discovery that mm -hmm. they want to do or figure out, you know, mm -hmm. like once in a while I'll meet a, a couple years ago, I met a really good female singer who found what I was doing interesting, and then I contributed to some pictures, and the pictures became her, um, her, uh, pre her tour, her shirts, her merchandise, and her world. And mm -hmm. she did so well that like other people started going, "How did you make this singer like this?" She was already like that. We just took yeah. pictures, yeah. Um, but those jobs happen now. <laughs> which are, That's I literally cool. shot her. She insisted on shooting in my house. She would insist on shooting by things like, I have a cross above my bed, though I'm not a strong Catholic. It was a cross I took from my mother's grave. It was like mm -hmm. one last piece. And she knew it meant something. She was yeah. like into just things that meant something. Yeah. And it became a whole new reinvention and introduction to me into uh, 2016 pop culture. Wow. 
Did I plan it? Yeah. No. She called me while I was walking around a museum with a friend and said, uh, can we do some, some pictures at your house in a couple hours? I'm at Brooks Brothers and I have a men's shirt. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And then it became a tour yeah. and a world. Yeah. Um, and I had to ask the girl who I barely knew at the museum, I was like, do you mind holding a light? Because this girl, I yeah. need to take pictures of her. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's like, hilarious. did I plan it? Did I sell it? Did I pitch it? No, those are like that's kind of the weird place of uh, mm -hmm. work becoming um, stuff, mm -hmm. which I can't intellectualize that process. Do you know what I mean? Like I can't. I don't know how you plan these things. It's well, to me like the old saying: if the Beatles were gonna go on to Strawberry Fields, why didn't they just jump over? She loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah but they couldn't. They mm -hmm. had to do this to go to this, and that's, I guess I'm on my street to try to get to my strawberry fields. Right. <laughs> but it seems like I, It would be have... nice to bypass all of it and yeah, just go do the White Album. Sure. But you can't. I, I don't think it's intellectualized. I think it's like, like still photography was, video's not going well, I'm gonna shoot some girls I know at my house. Um, and then friends going, this girls at your house thing is looking like a series. And you're like, what's a series? They're like, well, it's got this continuum. And I'll like, I'll shoot more girls at my house. And then someone comes and says, you should do a book. Yeah. And you're like, a book for what? And then, as I think you know my background, I did a book called Tar. Yeah. Tar is a series of nudes with stockings against a paneling wall. And what happened with Tar was Steven Mizell stole the concept for CK1. <laughs> CK1 um, gave me media that Steven, the master, the biggest guy in the world, stole something from someone you've never heard of. Mm -hmm. That leads to Levi's saying, we want you to do low-rise denim, our biggest piece of the year. You'll be sharing company with Peter Lindbergh, Terry Richardson, XYZ. And you guys are going to go out and change the world for Levi's denim. But it starts with some that. chick against the right. wall who later becomes like the, one of the girls in war paint, yeah. Jen, uh, who's awesome. But how do you? Yeah, you can't, you can't how do you manufacture do that? that. It doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. So I have a lot of new is... kids that, that work in my office that are like, I just want to go to the bank. Right. And they also have the pressure of like, uh, you know, I ain't going to be here long. I'm going to do something like Uber. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's yeah. stressful, you know? <laughs> so I just want to get mine. Right. You know what I mean? How'd you get yours? I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> you know? 30 years. I don't know if I got mine. Right. I, tomorrow might be mine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's weird, too. Things come in and out. Like you said, you, like, you see like certain musical pieces being reassembled and called right. something else. Yeah. Right, and then you see something fresh, which is really fun. Like Tyler, Tyler's fresh and fun. It's mm -hmm. like uh, it's weird. Yeah, I watched the video with like uh, Leo and whatever, and I was like, this is weird, man. Yeah, totally. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like there's a, there's a bit of go with the flow, sure. But there's also like I would say you have a really strong direction that's pulling you. Something, right. something, and I don't have it uh, rationalized or defined. When are the, when are the, what stands out to you as the mistakes along the way where you get, you maybe got pulled off course or you maybe like said yes to something that, you know, 
wasn't bringing you in that direction. Some of the commercial work. Yeah. Sometimes when you're doing a commercial piece and you have interjection, you're set to fail because you have six people that have conflicting opinions that aren't communicating with one another yeah. and are giving you pieces of it like, he doesn't know, but we're going to do this. Yeah. You're going to do this. She thinks it's this, but it's a spaceship. <laughs> and you feel like like a video was like this yeah. weird hypocrisy when it started getting the invention of products and cars and placements. Yeah. Because the placement of the car wanted something. The artist met me oh, for yeah. coffee about something. Management said she thinks you're doing something, but it's not something. And the label's like going, mother Motherfucker, this is what we're doing. So you know you hear me, right? right? I'm like, did you guys talk? No, that's the artist. Right. They're over there. Here's what we're doing. So you start to go, those were mistakes because yeah. I was making everyone miserable. Myself, the, I couldn't give them, 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 them what they want. I let down an artist that had a dream. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're just like, that's, that's not happy. It's not cool. Sure. I mean, I think those mistakes and, yeah. you know, you have an inner voice and sometimes you choose to ignore it. And then there's other times when you're like, listen, I could pay my house off if I do this and get the fuck out of my way. What's three days of getting my house out of the way? Right. And then you just swallow your, you know, your voice and you <laughs> just go, OK, I'm going to execute it. Yeah. But a lot of those journeys, they say, you know, a lot of times you get hired to be you. And then it's like uh, the old story. It's like we want you, but not. You. Yeah. We want it to so be. We it's like a relationship. This guy says, uh, you know, the girl fell in love with the tiger. She's like, I'd really like you if you would just take the claws off. And then the claws come off. And he's like, but your hair's long. Just right. the hair off. And then the teeth are sharp. Just take the shit. By the time, you know, it's not you anymore yeah. that you right. fell in love with. So that happens. And yeah. those were mistakes, I guess, along the way of uh, being quiet, yeah. knowing I was getting to put my head in the noose mm -hmm. and walking down the plank and jumping. Those, those were in bigger financial uh, uh, commercial jobs, both mm -hmm. print still, I mean print and uh, motion and how, what have you. Those were the times when you knew you were like, there was no winning this. Yeah. You knew early in the meetings. I'm sure. In those yeah. conference calls. I'm All right, those... this is so-and-so. Can it be a circle? Well, you know, people in, in my business, in the, you know, in the client service business, they love to complain about that kind of shit. But I think, you know, I think the signs are always there. Sure. I think they were there from the first meeting. You know, I had a meeting the other day with a, with a potential client where mm -hmm. I was like, if I want to listen to this voice, it's telling me that we're not going to have a good time together. No. So then you decide, you know. Yeah, like, is not. it worth this for yeah. me? Is it another yeah. piece of your, like, your soul or what your abilities are? Absolutely. It's sad to not be able to perform your best work. Absolutely. And sometimes you need rain and direction. Yeah. It's not like I'm some island that needs to be left alone. I love interjections. When I made a movie, I realized that you take in all this information and then you kind of just... Directors take the best pieces of all the influence. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. That was Mercy. Mercy was definitely like really good people giving their best opinion and me taking a sentence or lifting a word or a phrase. And, yeah. and you know, Scott with me was a great screenwriter. He'd written 30 things. And Scott let me sit over him and uh, act out the whole screenplay with him and changed every, everything I ever wanted to change in it. Wow. 
because Scott wrote a lot more than I did uh, about, uh, I was less dialogue and more action. He was more dialogue, less action. And we found the middle. Like both of us hitting that moment together became what I think is a cool film, you know, that I'm, I'm happy with. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you were, uh, you set out to make movies. I did. And then you made a, made a, a movie. Did a whole bunch of other shit. And then a whole bunch of other shit. Made a movie. Made right. a whole bunch of other shit. Um, I'm just now getting the interest of maybe doing another film. But it was this little kid making a goal that he didn't understand. I always feel like I was. I was like, if I make a movie, I'll have uh, done something for me. And when you get to the finish line and you make the movie and the thing happens and all the stuff, I was like, it's not enough. You know, it's like uh, there was an interview. You said something about I, I don't remember the words, but that there was like a, a sort of a depressing. There is after anything big and creative, there's a long uh, down. And I got warned. I had a, a great friend in Paul Anderson who makes really he's like one of the, the biggest filmmakers yeah. in our generation he said be careful after you finish and it's all done there's a postpartum it's like having a child because something happens where you're and i think i know what it is because on a film you get to go in the morning you put on your headphones and you get to express complete creativity for 8 to 15 hours a day and everyone's there to serve it and make it happen i guess when that ends and that ends after the edit and after the release because the edit's the same you get Mm -hmm. to keep Mm -hmm. putting uh, interjection when that's all gone and all is quiet and you're alone again you go through a sadness it's like uh, yeah. I'm not able to god why can't I just go put on the headphones again tomorrow right you know yeah that's also interesting too because in short term four day shoots three day shoots you get to build up this huge thing and it's quickly over right. so it doesn't really yeah, get it doesn't to, set in maybe. it doesn't get time to set in but after right. mercy and after a film i found to be that you're sad for a good couple of months i think you're also on a on a music video or a commercial shoot it's pretty clear that's not your piece sure you're right, executing like, yeah. to make the vision for the ad agency as big and perfect and sell it as yeah. you can yeah. yes I always was able to do that. I wasn't the guy, one thing I didn't do in commercial work is ever take a job and be like, oh, fuck. I never did that. I'm like, my goal, once I said yes, knowingly, is to make this thing as the best I can for the client, to make them really fucking happy with Mm -hmm. it. Otherwise, I would just say no in the intro. Just no, man, because I can't. You know? Paul actually told me the other day a story. It was like they were pushing him to... Um, do the Lord of the Rings pilot, which is now, I mean, not, uh, what's it called on HBO? Um, the biggest show they have. Oh, the Game of Thrones. Yeah, they begged yeah. Paul to do the, the trailer. They kept wow. saying, you know, would you please? And he's like, I just couldn't do, like, the, the, the costuming and believe in the dragon. It's not his thing. No, and it never would be. Everyone's yeah. like, isn't that a big mistake? He's like, no, still not a mistake. Still not, like, feeling a dragon in, like, a cum des garçons sweater with a wig on and shit. Right. Like, I don't see it, you know? Yeah. It's funny because yeah. you know if you signed up for it, it wouldn't. It doesn't matter. Sure. Yeah. The financial, monetary. It doesn't. Serve. No, and I think you know. Again, you gotta want to be like uh, who's the guy, Peter Jackson or whatever, that wants to make that type of film. Yeah. Yeah. So I then you make more never, of that type of I've film. I've never got into period stuff like that. No, I don't. That that mystical. Me neither. I don't know why. My movies. You know, my wife and I have really different tastes of movies, yeah. and like my movie. I, I need to be able to believe that I could be in it. Yeah. 
you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I liked reality as well. Yeah. Like I liked Cassavetes, which was like people yeah. used to say about him, um, why am I going to the movie theater to watch my life at home right. with all the abuse and anger? And yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> like his movies no, were a, miserable failures. That's what people I were like, see. I went to the theater to right. see something. Now I feel like I'm in my living room. Yeah, it's not escapism. <coughs> right. But that's not what we're always looking for, you know. Totally. So after Mercy, then you go through that depression. Are you, um, is then like the goal to make another film? The goal wasn't is, right away. The goal was like, uh, what do you want to do? Like you kind of fulfilled a childhood fantasy. And yeah. then immediately, of course, like as, as we do to ourselves, a book became important. So I still have that goal. Yeah. Um, I still haven't written a novel and that's something I've been working on for many, many years. Nice. And uh, that's what I'll do. And then um, things would come together like uh, shorter content, which becomes uh, an interview, the series, um, where I was like, I like to do journalism. I like people. I've never been on camera. This is a weird thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can do the stills motion and you know journalism all at the same time. So mm -hmm. the interview kind of took a lot of those excitements and put them into a place. Because I always feel yeah. like, People say, what do you like better, film or photography? What do you like better, writing or, you know? And you're like, I, I don't have a preference, man. Mm -hmm. I like to do mm -hmm. stuff. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, painting a picture with watercolors or, or shooting a portrait of somebody. Yeah. It's all, in a sense, it's that flow state that you're looking for. Yeah. To lose yourself into a, a moment where mm -hmm. you're not so, you know, back to you say mistakes you make. Mistakes to me is like when I overanalyze or I uh, intellectualize too long without doing it. It gets further away when you don't just jump on the creative process. And yeah. I do that all the time. Like I'll be, like right now I'm in an idea and I've been in an idea for like three months. So it's not fun. It's like being in a war with yourself. Mm. It's better just to execute the idea, to sure. see it come. Yeah. Um, interview was a long time. We were meeting with Vice and all these other media companies about what the show was, and uh, it took forever until we finally got it going. Yeah. You know, um, and I, I guess I don't like ideation as much as action. Mm -hmm. I know you need both, but I can get miserable in in, in analyzing something. Yeah. Over analyzing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Because then it's like kind of like. You almost come to the point where you made it and you don't really like it without doing anything. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I guess, yeah. If you're enjoying this uh, and you want to hear more from uh, the lane of, of video directors, go back in the Rebel Radio archives on iTunes or SoundCloud. Check out my interview with Terry Heller uh, way back at the beginning of the show. Terry was a video director himself. He started out doing A&R for Eazy-E over at Ruthless Records. He's now the owner of the Plancheck Restaurants here in L.A. and just opened a new spot in the valley called Wild and Free. Get up there and get you some chicken. Um, check out the interview with Terry. And, of course, let's finish up here first with Patrick Holick. There's a quote I've read of yours that says, everybody's got a story most people can't tell it. That's lifted from like a, a, from our interview series. Uh -huh. um, I just feel like like 
I began the journey of the interview series to just kind of have a different understanding and a, and a different, like, what interview is cool about is it doesn't really push movies or projects with the people. It's more about the familiarities and what we're doing today, which is like trying mm -hmm. to understand the way, why, where, what we're doing. Yeah. And that, that's like a piece of that kind of. So what is it, why, why can't most people tell their story? What's, what's missing? What's missing is, I guess it's the action that's one. Um, fear. It, it, fear doesn't help. Mm. Um, being overwhelmed, which I have a worry for the new generation when they're seeing like the Instagram feed and everybody playing their third person. Some yeah. kids take that serious. If you're in like Nebraska, you think you're just supposed to already be the shit. Mm -hmm. And you're, you know, it's like, as we know it, because we're in the entertainment business, we know it's like an illusionary state, but some of these kids around the world, they stop before they start, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. That would be a reason to not be able to tell it. Mm. I think there's a lot of that, I'm here, you're not shit going on in the social tension. Sure. And I think it's, it could disable a kid that wants to do something, right? They're like, oh, these kids are just like, oh, and they're not really. It's right. kind of like in school, we had a version of it where, I didn't have sex. And I'm like, hey, did you guys ever like hook up with a girl? And they're like, 10. Right. But they didn't. Yeah, yeah. But that's like the Instagram. It's like, I'm here, sure. you're not. I'm in like the Ferrari 747 doing flips. Yeah. Where are you at? And these other kids are like, fuck, is that it? I, uh -huh. I'm not even close. I might yeah. as well just work at Danny's. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So in that sense, I guess, in the, that way, it's like my, you know, not being able to tell the story. Mm. Which is uh, sad, right? I mean, I don't know. So what would you, what's the fix? What would you give as advice to those kids? To execute, to yeah. do their lives, to live their lives, and not to be, I guess it's like, I think we're at such a loud point of external influence. It might be cool to just start becoming, and I see hopes of, and little glimmers of it. I think the Bob Dylans of tomorrow are the new generation. Mm. I feel like our kids are going to be, I don't have any, but my friends that have kids all seem to be going, why are you on that? That's goofy. Mm -hmm. Why are you showing yourself DJing or doing something? And the new generation's like not showing. And then they're also shooting why we called our series Analogs is interesting because kids are reverting to phonograph mm -hmm. and, and film. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be this other thing about disclosure. Mm -hmm. Our, this new generation seems to be about disclosing everything from like taking a shit to what they're eating. Yeah. I think maybe this will create an explosion of the next gen, which mm. might be more like artistic and cool and not so like, look at me, look at me, look at me. I don't know. That's a, that's a thing I'm thinking. So maybe yeah. these kids that are like scared to start should start in their own capacity, not being influenced by this, this, I think it's like this Kardashian moment, which even you see is starting to fringe. Mm -hmm. And you're wondering what's gonna happen because I'm from the Paris days where we would walk down the street on, on Robertson and have uh, fucking South of France Pop, yeah. paparazzi. Yeah. And then Twitter came in and Instagram took it away because they shoot themselves. Yeah. So we don't need a billion of them. Yeah. And then that's the days when Kim was carrying her bags in right. the distant background taking notes on how do I become Paris Hilton. Uh -huh. And you're like, and then, you know, 
what's next? It's like this thing is kind of like now we have the two little ones that were children on the right. show selling yeah. bags and totally. She got her own show. Uh, one of yeah, them. yeah, Kylie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not hating it. I think it's all fun. I can watch an art movie and and also watch Vanderpump Rules or Below Deck and think <laughs> they're right? all interesting. Yeah, because okay. I have a my girlfriend like she watches below deck and I like I'm guilty I'm like dude we got to see all this that's shit. the one where they're on the ship yeah uh, my, I've been yeah, on a few boats and I was like that's interesting because that <laughs> sub world I never yeah, yeah, knew they're sure. just these nice people that right. like are like Patrick likes a cappuccino right. and they hand it to you you're like these people are genius <laughs> but now you're seeing the other side of who's doing what totally but back to it, I don't know, man. I wish I had the answer, but I feel like we're at another place, which we've seen. Whenever something gets so loud, it explodes and dissolves. Like, I remember at my age when all the boy bands, like, what's Wahlberg's brother's name? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, New Kids on the Block. Yeah, New Kids yeah. on the Block. We were, there were fucking the biggest thing in the world. And then you know, in comes Guns N' Roses. Which doesn't have a prayer, and yeah. it destroys a generation of music, yeah. which leads into Nirvana and all the. So there, I think we're amongst the precipice of a bomb, of, of explosion going off, mm -hmm. and I'm excited to see what it is. I wish I knew what it is, but I don't. Mm -hmm. But it isn't going to be. Everyone's famous, and there's a reality show on a reality show of a reality show. Um, it's going to be fun to watch something happen. You know, and I think anyone in the, in that's struggling or sad or trying to tell something, thinking about how much there is as opposed to how little there is they can do, mm -hmm. right? They yeah. can totally reframe from what the current, like my friends that are taking photos with girls wearing a napkin for more followers, you sure. know? Yeah. It'd be easy to fall into those trappings, but I feel like you'll look back and it'll be like when we were kids and I look back and I was wearing a fucking white concerton jacket in Palm Springs looking like I was in Wham. I'd rather look back at the photos where I had the shaved head and the dickies. Yeah. You know, sure, but yeah, these things absolutely. happen. Of course. But I feel like that's, that's that thing where you go back and you go, I was showing myself eating spaghetti. Well, we, you Weird. know, like, I mean, the thing, we all had our phases, right? Yeah, and that, yeah. that's part of youth is discovering who you are and you have to totally. try on some shit that doesn't fit yeah. to get there, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's the added challenge of, ha of now doing that in the public eye, doing it in, a, in potentially a global... Mm -hmm. I guess I don't mean to bash it. I just think that there's like, I, I, I get excited because huge momentous moments create a reaction to it yeah. or a new one yeah. so I really think it's going to be interesting in the world to see what comes out of this phase this phase feels like it's stretched an hour long yeah yeah you know so I guess I'm excited to see what's tomorrow you know absolutely so as far as your current project I, I saw you have a patreon yeah, we're trying that. I like new technology. Uh, Patreon is where analogs and a podcast we've been doing and yeah. other projects will live. And we're just seeing what it does as yeah. far as the interaction and the audience and like what we're building. Is that so like opening that up to to the audience? Mm -hmm. Does that change the process versus, you know, kind of doing everything behind the curtain and then releasing it? I guess we're doing everything behind the curtain and showing a little bit of the curtain and um, we're not making it to 
I don't know, we're just kind of making our own thing and seeing if there's any interest in it, you know, mm -hmm. just curious. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But we're not going, this will be something, will they like this? We've never right, been right. doing that. Yeah. I think, uh, like, Analogs was, uh, we'll put together this DV footage, because otherwise I'll just throw it away. Yeah. And then a kid cut it with images and then said, why don't you tell a story about this day? And then you start going, and then I was like, wow, these parts can become a whole, and the whole be can become a long-form project, mm. which would lead back to some form of documentary. That's cool. So I think it's cool. So it's like almost like we're releasing all the pieces, uh, the crumbs that become the cake, that become yeah. the film. Yeah. Um, and that's what Analogs is exciting about. Nice. And it's also, in our, you know, like the podcast is, we're deriving podcasts from the long-form interviews I did with the series. Because yeah. the series is seven to ten minute episodes, and the interviews we did could be up to four hours. Oh, wow. So we're taking a different portrayal off of yeah, yeah. the, the X footage and creating. That's cool. We're doing one um, uh, this week with Diane Kruger, which oh, is cool. Nice. Yeah, awesome. Um, with the, so, how is the the audio only? Does that like I don't know? Does that does that feel different? Yeah, it's different. Um, I, I mean, but then I listen to a lot of uh, podcasts. You do? Yeah, I do. What I do listen, listen to. to um, I, li I like Brett Easton Ellis. He has the mm -hmm. B podcast. Mm -hmm. I like um, Mark Marin, What the Fuck. I mm -hmm. like uh, pieces of Adam Carolla. Uh, I also listen to, um, there's this guy that, what's the guy's name that does all the uh, trying to get to the point uh, of successful people? What's mm. his name? Uh, is that Tim Ferriss? Tim Ferriss. Yeah. I listen to pieces. I, I kind of listen to a bunch of them. Yeah. And, you know, I don't have one I just go to. I just kind of do it like, you know, intake. Nice. But I like a lot of those. And I think it's a cool, I don't know, there's something cool about, also NPR with the uh, This American Life. Yeah. Um, just the other day I was thinking, I have a lot of screenplays. I wrote at least six screenplays that I didn't turn into features. So, for example, the podcast led me to think, wouldn't it be interesting if we can do almost This American Life with a screenplay, mm. where we, I, maybe I'm good enough to read just the intros and then have sure. actors play the parts, and yeah. then do audio, like if you're exterior, to make the sounds of exterior, then maybe share it through the Patreon thing to have people draw pieces of it. Absolutely. Then it could become a whole thing. That's so cool. I guess audio is like a good, another base to just build from. Absolutely. But I was thinking that the other day. Yeah, I mean, that's really a growing part, I think, of podcasting is the scripted, you know, almost like old radio. Sure. Right? Yeah, I don't know if it would work or it would be a disaster, but I think I'm going to put up one of the screenplays and try to put together nice. a crew to execute it and yeah. see what we can do to it. Yeah. You know? That's cool. It's cool, too, also in the audio world, I've met podcasters and people that have set up big ones, like the guy I've been working with now he did, uh, what was his big one? He did uh, the guy that does, uh, what's the, Jason Bentley. Mm -hmm. And then he went into uh, Adam Carolla. Mm -hmm. And he's this weird, like, kind of like emo dude from Silver Lake. Mm. So he's inspiring, too, to like kind That's of hear, cool. like, I've done this, eh, I've done that, this was good, I did this, I did bands playing inside of something else. And I was like, this is like, you know, makes you think, like, yeah. there's a lot to do. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, I want to get to a little lightning round before we uh, lightning round before we get out of here. Um, what? Tell me one decision that changed your life forever. Getting clean. Yeah. Getting sober was a big change because I was like on the outs, you know. Yeah. When was that? 
25 years ago. Wow. Yeah, it was like that die or live moment, yeah, yeah. and I, I said I want to live. You sure. know? So that would be big. Can imagine. Um, complete this sentence. I don't have talent. I have blank. Drive. So what talent or skill have you always wished you'd had more of? Maybe playing instruments, music. Yeah, yeah I mean, kind of wish. Piano's not bad. No, but I wish I could just like you know. Yeah. I have friends that are like you know, yeah. like John Bryan who could play everything. Sure, that would be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate my friends like that. Um, what if you were going to choose another career outside of this sort of creative world that you're in? What would it be? That's great because I don't. I don't know. I was thinking about it, like something to do with helping more in in uh, recovery, mm. like becoming almost like the guy that got me sober is someone I think about every day, and to be to be on like helpful like that. But I don't know. It's something ma magical because mm -hmm. I worked with a lot of people in this recovery thing, mm -hmm. and you meet one out of a thousand yeah. that's good. So yeah. you know, it's like yeah, kind I'm of sure. like I wouldn't mind doing that if I had the ability, which is yet to be discovered. Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, so if I worked for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over? <laughs> that's a good one. I'm trying to think of what I said to somebody that works for me today. Um, <laughs> You know, you would get an email with three sentences of things I want done, and then I would probably ask you too many times if you understood the sentences. <laughs> you know, yeah, I do this good. repetition, and sure. I think it's just like you know my own insecurity or my own. You know, I learned that like I'm not always good at uh, driving uh, results out of like unmotivated people. It's a hard thing to do. You know, it's funny you say that because. Um, so I, I've read a lot about business and about parenting. Yeah. And and the con one of the main common themes that is in all of that literature is that it's all about repetition. And uh, and yet we are typically so frustrated mm -hmm. when we have to repeat ourselves. Yeah. You're like, why do I have to keep saying this? Why didn't you get it yeah. the first time? And then I, I was this one parenting book that I read that said like, you tell your kid you love them every day like for parents that do that, right? Like, mm -hmm. you don't say, oh, I said that once, so I don't ever need to say it again. He gets it, right? Or like, and so it was that the brain learns what's important by, in part by how often we hear it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and you would say that about, you know, whether it's mantras or, or uh, yeah. aff affirmations, or right? Like, it's only through the repetition that we really I've get I've noticed stuff. that, like, uh, world leaders, dictators, and even the great Donald Trump, yeah. he says it three times. Right. Always three. Yeah. There's like, you'll see it. If he doesn't get the third one out, it's coming, maybe sure. later. Right. What's your favorite city to travel to? Favorite city? I like... I like two things. I like city, I like Paris, and I like Costa Rica because mm. it's tropical. So I have this, like, I like cities and I like tropical environments. Yeah. You know? Yeah, not, me too. not one more than the other. Yeah. I guess if I had to get stuck, it might be good to be stuck in Costa Rica as opposed to Paris. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah, yeah. What's the last great book you read? Um, what was the last great one? 
Oh my God, I was just talking about this. Let me see. What was the one? Because I've been reading, I've been fucking up and reading three at a time, so <laughs> it's hard to extrapolate. Yeah. Oh, uh, Ari, uh, the Aristotle Onassis biography really? of the shipping tycoon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one was like, to have this guy's biography is, it just seems not real. Oh, that's cool. You know, you should yeah. read it. Ari is yeah, really will. good. I will. John Stewart's book. I don't know book. too much about him. John Stewart's it. book also about uh, the the beginning, like it has the first day of him on The Daily Show mm. throughout the whole thing. Oh, cool. Told from everyone's point of view, oh, including cool. his own. Yeah. So that's fun. Nice. I like that book. But nice. I read a lot, so it's hard. But Ari, yeah. I would say, is like jaw-dropping. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll add that to the list. Um, what movie have you seen the most in your life? The most? Probably the Cassavetes films. Probably yeah. like Woman Under the Influence, even though it's like... I just always go into back to Godard and, and uh, Cassavetes for rediscovery of things. And Fellini. Mm. Um, one of those, like uh, La Dolce Vita, something like I've, I've revisited too many times, Eric Romer. There's a bunch of them because I like film uh, yeah. that I go back and I I'm watch sure. a lot. Yeah. You know, It's interesting, too. The older I get, the more I can see flaws in um, not so much the Fellinis, the Godards, and the Cassavetes, but the flaws in like the Scorseses, the Casinos, and the Goodfellas. I thought you'd be mad. Man, I'm not mad. I'm proud of you. You took your first pinch like a man, and you learned the two greatest things in life. What? Look at me. Never ride on your friends, and always keep your mouth shut. I watched Goodfellas the other night and was able to like kind of rip apart uh, things that I bet you he looks at and goes, fuck, I shouldn't have done this or that. Like story stuff or like on screen? Both, yeah. visual and story problems, yeah. which you never saw before. I thought they were just these well-oiled machines of perfection, Yeah, you know? It'd be yeah. interesting, I haven't seen Casino in a long time, but what I was watching Goodfellas was like, uh, this is dragging or right. this isn't that interesting, we oh, don't need funny. to do this, or this is forced. Oh, I would hate to experience that. Like. For me, those, me too, like, because I like I haven't seen like, the films for ten years. My yeah. girlfriend was like, "What's this Goodfellas thing?" Because she's twenty-five. Sure. And I was like, "Here, let's watch it." And yeah. then you see it, and you see it from a different. It's weird that like certain films get better, yeah. and certain films that you thought you would never talk shit about right. or even notice something. Yeah. Me, I thought for sure I would never be able to look at Goodfellas and have some something to say. Of course. Even though I, you know, Martin Scorsese would probably say, fuck you, you don't have anything <laughs> to say. Uh, but I watched it and was like, eh. Yeah. Eh. All right. Interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to do to watch that. Casino next and see if it's right. okay. No, I don't want to do that. I want to I lose <laughs> Living your dreams. Yeah, absolutely. I always had this funny theory where I think Martin Scorsese did, uh, made Mean Streets like 35 times until he got mm -hmm. to the Aviator and then sure. he switched game. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Absolutely. But you, you know what holds well is Woody Allen, man. Woody Allen's films. Yeah. I rewatch Manhattan and Annie Hall and you're like, still good, still yeah. good. It's yeah. amazing. Absolutely. And that's just personal opinion. Sure. It's where I'm at. It yeah. has nothing to do with it. No, but I think, you know, it's also where you're at when you saw it, right? So, like, yeah. you know, I've been watching, a, I've been rewatching a lot of movies from the 80s, from when I was a kid, now with my kid, mm -hmm. and, like, movies that I remember liking that are just complete garbage, because yeah. I wasn't paying attention at the time. I was 14, and I, you know. That was another thing matter. about going back into making films that, like, you asked me earlier, and I didn't answer as maybe as well as this, is, like, 
When we were kids, we were told that if we made a film, it would last forever, like making a record. And that record or that film will be in the history of our lives for and, and future lives. Right. So you had this romantic idea that like it's almost like buying a, a parkway or a street to be named after mm -hmm. you. Right. And then I was reading this literature from a Roman leader in year 180. And he's talking about how the loud applause of Colosseums will long forget his name, which mm -hmm. has happened. Mm -hmm. But there's this thing that like you see like when you go back and you could take it apart that it doesn't last forever. It definitely goes into like some sad weird space. Yeah, it just fades away, you know. And, and that's a little disheartening for like a, like back when I was 11, I thought that movies would speak for me for the rest of time. Well, and you know, I think and that's certainly that's even more relevant today when like content is flying through the air right and so you know we had the opportunity to walk the aisles of a video store yeah and trip over stuff that we didn't know about yeah we had right? to bust our ass to do discovery yeah but in a sense you got but, good discovery because yeah you the people really wouldn't suggest something that was just like a waste of your time yeah. uh last question who's mm -hmm. your favorite dj favorite dj i'm gonna have to say mugs just because of history Love Mugs. I'm not allowed to say anyone else. You <laughs> get paid for that. You're on the contract. No, I just love him as a person, and he's part of my world, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Nah, he, they're great. And uh, so my Cypress Hill was the first, um, was my introduction to music journalism. Really? When I was trying to become a music journalist. You had to go interview those guys? Yeah, no, I did a show review. Okay. And that was kind of my, like, audition for my first That's weird because our autobiographies meet there because like they've changed my life indirectly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was the uh, uh, the character in uh, How I Could Just Kill a Man and Get Shot and does that all right? this. Yeah. I, like I remember in New York City I used to get laid by like hot Puerto Rican girls that knew me from a video. <laughs> That's big. <laughs> I was famous from a video. That's awesome. But that was because of them. Yeah. You know? And Shady who's still a friend I didn't, of mine. I didn't get famous from my article but you know. But that was like my start. life changing music video evolving yeah. and these kids that like you know Mug showed me that like he had an earlier life with 73 yeah. and he had already been around the block with major record labels and yep. he got kind of taken yep. and he's inspiring in the sense that he went back to his eight track and made this group in his room mm -hmm. and it became what it was yeah. which was pretty wild Massive. to watch yeah. yeah it's early he was like an early adopter of taking the power back totally you know yeah 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 Good stuff, dude. Thanks Thank for doing Thank you for this, having man. me, dude. Absolutely. Congratulations with this. So how does everybody find you online? Oh, just, I think the best thing to do is just at my name mm -hmm. on, um, on the Instagram or my name online. Yeah. You know, I'm just at Patrick Hollick, uh, and that has, my Insta has a link to whatever I'm focusing on. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Dude. Dude, that thanks was, for having <laughs> me. That was great. Did we do good? We did great. Yo, that was Patrick Holig on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I really like talking to that dude. He had some great stories. Uh, love to hear what you think. Leave us a review on iTunes. Hit us with some five stars if you would. I'd appreciate that. Or leave us a comment. Hit me on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net. Our Facebook page, Rebel Radio Net. Watch a video on YouTube. Do whatever you feel like. Whatever makes you feel good. Buy a book on Audible. Buy some travel on Upside. Support our sponsors. I don't care. What I really want you to do is come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.